The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to C. diff spores and more with your hosts, Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. We're here to discuss C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here are your hosts, Nancy Kerala with Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. Welcome to C. diff spores and more. We're your host, Nancy Kerala with Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. We would like to thank our sponsor, the C. diff Foundation, for making this show possible. And we welcome and thank our listeners for joining us today. Today's guests are Bradley Whitchurch, founder and chairperson of the board at Seal Shield, Dr. Rosie Lyles, MD, clinical affairs head, research and department of Clorox Healthcare, and Shelby Lassiter, uh, RNBSN CPHQCIC infection preventionist at a university hospital in North Carolina. Bradley Whitchurch is the founder, CEO, and chairman of the board at Seal Shield. Seal Shield is an infection control solutions manufacturer headquartered in Jacksonville, Florida. The company produces waterproof antimicrobial input devices for healthcare and other global markets. Dr. Lyles, currently is at the Clinical Affairs Head Research and Department Clorox Healthcare and serves as the primary liaison for Clients Healthcare Division in the Department Head to relevant professional research and academic institutions, public health, and forums. Shelby Lassiter is a certified infection preventionist and a certified professional in healthcare quality and through the National Association of Healthcare Quality. Shelby is, uh, has held a variety of positions in infection prevention and is currently an infection preventionist at a university hospital. It is my pleasure to right now introduce you to Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh and our first guest, Bradley Whitchurch, founder and CEO of Seal Shield. Thank you, Nancy, and thank you for our, uh, to our viewers for listening in today. Uh, today's guest, like Nancy mentioned, is uh, Bradley Whitchurch from Seal Shield. And uh, Bradley, thank you for joining us today and being a guest on our show, uh, C. diff spores and more, episode of what we need to know about C. diff and high-touch surfaces. Let's begin uh, by discussing what uh, hospital-acquired infections are. Bradley? Well, thank you. Thank you, Chandra. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here today. Um, to talk about uh, hospital-acquired infections, which um, is a serious, really an epidemic in this country and worldwide that doesn't get a lot of press and, and a lot of people um, aren't aware of um, the impact of hospital-acquired infections. Hospital-acquired infections, obviously, are an infection that you get in the hospitals. You go in to get treated for something and you end up catching something in the hospital that you didn't have before you got there. Uh, not a, pe- a lot of people realize that uh, 2 million people a year are the victim of a hospital-acquired infection in this country, and uh, up to 100,000 of those people die every year from the infection they got in a U.S. hospital. 
Yes, I remember uh, hearing about hospital-acquired infections recently uh, from a hospital in California where a couple of people died from getting CRE or carbapen-resistant enterococci from getting a scope. Um, so getting back to topic, uh, Bradley, can you tell us uh, why um, hand hygiene, which is uh, alone, is not enough? We know doctors already have a problem with washing their hands going from patient to patient, but even with all these precautions in place, why is this just not enough? Well, hand hygiene is still the best infection prevention method, but it, it's not enough. Um, there have been a lot of efforts uh, within hospital systems to increase their hand hygiene uh, rates. And, and even though uh, there has been diligence and improvement in hand hygiene rates, we still have an epidemic uh, hospital-acquired infectious problem. Um, and Dr. Bill Rutala from the University of North Carolina uh, was quoted at the APIC keynote as saying that you're equally likely to get a cross-contamination infection from the environment as you are from hand washing, um, from hand uh, cross-contamination. So we see in uh, medical facilities, often practitioners will wear gloves, um, and those gloves may, in fact, help to protect the practitioner, uh, but because of cross-contamination from contaminated surfaces, they do little to nothing to uh, protect the patient. Okay. Um, also, uh, maybe you can tell me if this is true or not, or maybe this is just an anecdotal information that I have in my head, that um, C. diff, since we're talking about C. diffs on our show today, C. diffs are present everywhere as pores. And is it true, like, let's say, instead of washing your hands, you are p able to use Purell to, you know, or any other alcohol-based uh, uh, you know, uh, disinfectant. If you do, uh, if you use that on your hands, is it possible that uh, the vegetative cells of C. diff, which are much more um, easier to kill in the presence of UV light or even oxygen, that now these vegetative cells can form spores and they stick around longer on the hands, on you know, apparatus, on equipment that's present in the hospital? That, that's absolutely right. C. diff could be uh, a challenge because of exactly what you said, that uh, can go from a vegetative state. And um, in those instances, uh, the primary recommendation is bleach. Uh, alcohol may not be sufficient uh, for C. diff, um, and uh, we typically recommend a bleach treatment, which is one of the advantages of the Seal Shield products. Um, mm -hmm. We manufacture a full line of washable keyboards and mice that can actually be submersed in bleach. Um, when we see facilities that have had a C. diff outbreak, um, really the only solution is, is bleach submersion. Wow. So just quickly again, Bradley, can you tell us a little bit more about who or what is Seal Shield and what solutions do you provide in environmental safety and infection control? And also, before we get into that question, why is environmental disinfection so necessary? Well, I, I, that's a great question. And as we said, hand hygiene really is not enough. You're equally likely to pick up pathogens from the environment as you are from uh, someone's hands. And uh, environmental hygiene is important uh, not only within uh, hard surface decontamination, but also we're finding uh, airborne pathogens, which is an area that uh, a lot of hospitals don't want to talk about. They don't want to uh, uh, address the, the fact that there may be problems with the air. And um, a lot of times they're spending a lot of money in surface decontamination, but they're not addressing their air quality um, air has been managed in hospitals through HEPA filtration and positive pressure, and that's great, but um, HEPA filters typically only capture particles over 0.3 microns, and uh, C. diff for one, as well as MRSA, VRE, 
pneumonia, influenza, they're all smaller than 0.3 microns, and they blow right through the HEPA filters. So uh, Seal Shield takes an approach of total environmental uh, hygiene, and uh, we do that with solutions that um, are easily cleaned, um, as well as air quality uh, assessment and, and treatment. Um, we're best known as the waterproof keyboard company, but we're really much more than that. Um, the company started with the world's first dishwasher-safe keyboards and mice, which have become uh, very much a standard in a lot of hospitals because input devices such as keyboards, mice, TV remote controls can be difficult to, to disinfect. And uh, so Seal Shield makes a, a full line of completely submersible and antimicrobial uh, input devices, including keyboards, mice, and TV remotes. But we also uh, protect other areas of the environment. We have a technology called Aeroside, which is an air purification technology that was developed by NASA. It's photocatalytic oxidation, and uh, essentially it uh, destroys all organic matter in the air. Um, and we find that when you're treating surfaces and treating the air, as well as having uh, a, uh, a well-established hand hygiene regimen, that's going to be your, your best opportunity to reduce cross-contamination infections in a facility. Okay, and just uh, quickly again, how would um, Seal So it's basically Seal Shield is, uh, so all the stuff that you make, like keyboards and computer mice, mobile devices, they can be disinfected, right? But do you guys provide anything for, um, like, airborne pathogens that, like, for example, like, you know, do you have, like, a special kind of filters or anything like that that can prevent, like, you know, bacteria or, you know, other pathogens that are, you know, smaller than 0.3 microns or is this, or is your company uh, focused mainly on um, uh, the electronic devices that you just mentioned? We do both. We do full environmental uh, protection and we have an air purification technology called Aeroside um, that was developed by NASA and it removes pathogens from the air without filters. So it works in conjunction with HEPA filtration, uh, and where HEPA filtration uh, stops at 0.3 microns, the aeroside technology actually destroys those microbes in the air using photocatalytic oxidation. Okay. So um, do you, can you tell us a little bit more about, uh, like, how it's done? Like, what is the science behind it or the technology behind it? I can tell you a little bit about the science and the technology behind it. Um, the way it works is that air is brought into the aeroside system and brought into the reaction chamber. And within mm -hmm. the reaction chamber, there are thousands of tiny glass rods that have been coated with a titanium dioxide coating. Those rods are charged with a UV light. And uh, bacteria and viruses, uh, free radicals, um, when, they, when they touch the uh, titanium dioxide, they, are, um, they burst into water vapor and carbon dioxide. And uh, by going through that reaction chamber, we can typically turn uh, the air in a room in 24 hours is the goal with one of our aeroside machines. And one of the advantages of the aeroside for room treatment is unlike UV solutions, um, it can treat the room 24 hours a day, seven days a week, while patients and practitioners are, are in the room. Oh, while they're in the room even. Oh, that's very yes. nice. Because I was about to ask you, like, 24 hours to have a, you know, hospital room empty is, you know, impractical from the hospital's, you know, point of view. But 
you know, Absolutely. if this is being done while the patients and the doctors and the nurses are all in the room, that sounds, you know, even better. Um, well, 24 this, hours is a challenge, but 45 minutes is even a challenge. And that's, you know, when they put a UV robot in the room, it can, uh, it, it can take up to 45 minutes to uh, treat the room, and you still have issues with shadows. Uh, the aeroside um, works 24 hours a day. It's constantly cleaning the air, and it works well in conjunction with UV solutions or, or other um, infection control solutions. Great. And so um, are your products being used widely across uh, America in, like, uh, hospitals and nursing homes, which, you know, are the hotbeds of, obviously, hospital-acquired infections, or are people catching are, on? Or Yes, we're, we're becoming uh, very much a standard in acute care. Mm -hmm. um, we actually uh, have worldwide distribution. We manufacture keyboards in 32 different languages um, and sell them to hospitals worldwide. Um, but we also have a growing business in antimicrobial implementation where we're uh, adding antimicrobial additives to uh, polymers such as plastics or silicons, not only for our own products, our keyboards and mice, but for other manufacturers' products so that they can be self-sanitizing and reduce germ, or be, uh, reduce the germ cross-contamination within healthcare. Thank you so much again, Bradley, for coming. Do you have any comments at this point before we go in for a break? I just appreciate that uh, you have this program and um, that we share the mission of trying to bring greater awareness to hospital-acquired infections. Not a lot of people realize that it's an epidemic in this country and is largely preventable, so I appreciate your time. Well, thank you again for joining us today on Seed of Spores and More, Bradley. We thank you for sharing the information and background on disinfection, infection control, and for introducing Seal Shield and the solutions you provide to help, um, uh, to help control hospital-acquired infections and the transmission of harmful bacteria, such as Seed of Spores, other, you know, all MRSA and the other pathogens that you mentioned. Uh, listeners, we thank you as well for staying with us. We are going to uh, pause for a moment for a commercial break, and when we return, we will continue discussing what you need to know about C. diff and high-touch surfaces with Dr. Rosie Lyles with Clorox Healthcare and a member of the C. diff Foundation's research community uh, com uh, committee. Thank you again. Your life your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Join us November 9th, 2015 for the Raising C. diff and Healthcare-Associated Infection Awareness Conference. This event will be chaired by Dr. Mark Wilcox, Professor of Medical Microbiology at the University of Leeds, UK, and hosted at the Doubletree Suites by Hilton Hotel in Boston, Cambridge. For more information about the event, Call us toll-free at 1-844-4-C-DIFF or register starting on April 1st through the website cdifffoundation.org forward slash upcoming events. Call 1-844-4-C-DIFF, 1-844-367-2343. We look forward to meeting you on November 9th. Transformational healing includes energy medicine as well as hands-on healing. Tune in every week to Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow. If you want to know more about the business and science of energy fields, chakras, and the medical and spiritual community, join our expert guests as we work together to bring you closer to your personal health vision. 
Transformational Healing is heard live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. To help support the CDF Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free 1-844-4-CDIF. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again are Nancy Karala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Welcome back to Seed of Spores and More. We're your host, Nancy Corella, with Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. Before break, Dr. Ghosh was discussing hospital acquired infections and environmental action with Bradley Whitchurch, founder and CEO of Seal Shield. And right now, it's my pleasure to introduce our next guest, Dr. Rosie Lyles, MD currently the Clinical Affairs Head, Research and Department, Clorox Healthcare, and a member of the C. diff Foundation Research Community, um, yeah, Community Committee. Dr. Lyles, we thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I look forward to this. Well, thank you, and so do we. And Dr. Lyles, um, we're just going to go right on ahead, and you have so much information to share with us. And would you be able to enlighten all of us on how the rate of the C. diff infections has changed in the United States over the past few years? Well, the incidence of C. difficile infections have nearly doubled between the years of 2001 and 2010. And a recent publication from the CDC that was featured in the New England Journal of Medicine, I believe February of this year, estimated that nearly half a million Americans get infected with C. diff each year. This is nearly twice the number of infection rates that was previously shown in studies before. Although more than probably 150,000 of those infections were community-associated which had no documentation of in, uh, inpatient healthcare exposure. The study also showed that 82% of patients with community-associated C. diff infection re- uh, reported exposure to outpatient healthcare settings like doctor's office and dental office, you know, in 12 weeks before their diagnosis, which is very alarming and very scary because we've been under the impression that C. difficile infections have been acquired in a hospital setting, not in the community. Exactly. I remember reading that article came out in February, and the numbers were very frightening, and the information shared was um, very uh, disturbing In now that we know that it really is community-acquired, not just in the hospital. Right. So, Dr. Dr. Lyles, why is C. diff such a big problem in healthcare facilities? I think the mortality and the mobility and the cost of C. difficile infection highlight the importance of C. diff 
uh, infection prevention. The cost of treating the infection hospital costs between uh, $3,500 to $10,000 um, for patients. However, we do know that recurrent C. diff infection costs over $11,000, which is very expensive. It costs healthcare $1.2 billion annually in America. And I think more should be focused on how to prevent the infection as well as um, to, so it won't be reoccurring. A second reason why it's very um, a big problem in healthcare is that C. diff spores are very difficult to kill. They live on surfaces for up to five months, and they can easily spread, unfortunately, from unclean hands from healthcare workers, as well as um, the failure to clean um, equipment that being transferred from one room to the next, and also not informing the healthcare facility when a patient is entering your hospital if they have infection or not. So education and communication is key, you know, in that sense. Exactly. Communication, exactly. And Dr. Lyles, what are some of the misconceptions about C. difficile? You know, if you look at the data, you know, uh, we have a plethora of information on hospital-associated infections to prevent CLAPSIs, um, VAPs, um, um, SSIs, um, catheter-associated UTIs. But when you look at the data and the information on how to prevent C. difficile infections, it's not a lot of information there to give to educate doctors as well as the community. Uh, the second thing that, you know, the infection, people think that it only happens and occurs in a hospital setting. But we know that from clinical studies and one that just came out in February, that, you know, half of the cases now are coming out from the community onset. So we need to do more to educate people and to have pre uh, prevention recommendations that prevent these infections in the hospital settings as well as in the community too. Exactly. And the, I know we know that the number one prevention for any acquired um, infection is hand washing. Yes. Exactly. The problem that we're having, you know, but how many, I don't know if we actually have a number to look at to see how often does healthcare workers, you know, actually have compliance with washing their hands for 15 to 30 seconds. You know, how often do they actually do that? You know, and that information is unknown, but we know that they don't do it properly. Right, exactly. There's a difference between doing the hand washing, hand hygiene, and performing the task correctly. Right. <laughs> right. Um, Dr. Lyles, we know that there's been a lot of information and in raising awareness about antibiotic resistance. And can you explain to us how the use of antibiotics is linked directly to a C. diff infection? Patients who are taking antibiotics uh, are often most at risk for developing C. difficile infections. That is the, the number one risk factor of it. And we also know that uh, more than half of all hospitalized patients who would get antibiotics uh, at some point during a hospital stay, studies have shown that 30 to 50% of those uh, patients, they are uh, prescribed antibiotics, but they're really unnecessary and they're incorrect to use. So when a patient is taking like a broad uh, spectrum antibiotics, it's very beneficial bacteria that is normally presented in the human gut and protects against infections can be suppressed. 
for over several weeks to months. And during that time period, patients can get sick from C. difficile and pick up con from uh, contaminated surfaces and spread to patient to patient. And so for our doctors, we need to have more education and, you know, and informing them on antimicrobial stewardship to, uh, to not give high-risk antibiotics like clindamycin, cephalosporins, fluoroquinolones versus using low-risk uh, antibiotics like microlides and tricycline. That's really, that's really good to know. And it is all education and, and making others aware of what is the low risk so that a C. diff infection won't, won't, you know, be acquired. So, and Dr. Lyles, uh, what are some of the treatment options for a patient when they're diagnosed with a C. diff infection? You know, each patient with a C. difficile infection may respond differently to treatment which this is why these infections are very difficult to manage. You know, some patients, um, unfortunately, some doctors actually prescribe them a different antibiotic. They actually continue to give them antibiotics, unfortunately. Uh, and they can just switch it. Or some uh, patients, they can have a fecal transplant, meaning that from a healthy patient who can restore a balance of microorganisms in the digestive tract by reintroducing bacteria that regulated from the C. difficile levels. So there's some numerous things that, you know, can be, um, can be treated for patients. Exactly. Uh, the antibiotics, we, we give antibiotics, the patient acquires an infection, and we give more antibiotics. Yes. Right. <laughs> I know. Okay, well, we are really impressed by all of the products that Clorox uh, manufactures and has that addresses health care. Can you share with us how Clorox Healthcare is involved in helping to reduce C. difficile infections? Oh, sure. Clorox Healthcare, we're working with healthcare facilities to prevent infections, transmissions, and resistance. Uh, we have cleaning and disinfectant um, surfaces is one of our primary uh, components of strategy to stop the transmission of C. difficile. Clorox Healthcare has three bleach products. Number one is the Clorox Dermosodal Wipes. Clorox Dermocidal Bleach, and Clorox Dermocidal Cleanser. They are all EPA registered to kill C. diff spores as fast as three minutes, which is very key because that's the fastest kill time available. Also, we know that for manual cleaning that, you know, healthcare workers, they uh, have human error, they can miss some spaces. And so Clorox Healthcare also offers optimal UV machine, which has proven to kill C. diff spores in five minutes at eight feet, which is completely different from what you may have heard before. UV devices take up to 45 minutes to an hour to clean. So we have worked very hard and diligent to make sure that we have a product that available for our customers to um, decrease the transmission as well as prevent infections in the hospital settings. That's extraordinary, and we are so happy to hear that. And thank you so much, Dr. Lyles, for sharing that information with us. And would you like to take this time um, and just uh, give us any closing comments uh, in regards uh, to Clorox and and all of the disinfectants that are available? Uh, yes, I would like to say thank you so much for having me on today. It's a, it's a privilege. I think we need to do more education and training and monitoring in the healthcare setting to reduce all of hospital-acquired infections, not only with C. diff, but from MRSA, VRE as well. We also need to make sure that we have certain protocols available to make sure that 
environmental cleaning is being used by EPA-registered bleach disinfectant products, as well as using optimal UV to get in certain areas that may be um, missed by healthcare workers cleaning a facility. Also using proper hand hygiene with compliance with the CDC and the um, WHO. Make sure you wear gloves before and after treating patients with acetophacil. Make sure patients bury in isolation rooms for cohorting when they are positive, as well as for doctors prescribe and use antibiotics carefully, ensuring that every patient get antibiotic only when necessary to use the right agent, the right dose, and the right duration. Thank you so much, Dr. Lyles. We appreciate you being here with us today and on C. diff spores and more. We thank you for sharing the information about C. diff infections and how Clorox Healthcare is involved and the steps that they are taking at preventing C. diff infections. Well, thank you so much for having and me. And thank as you well. for being a member of the C. Uh, you're very welcome. And thanks also for being a member of the C. Diff Foundation Research Community. We're very grateful for your time and, and for what Clorox Healthcare and their products do for and that they're EPA registered with the C. Diff Kill Claim that makes our healthcare and home environment safer. We're going to pause for a moment and take a commercial break. When we return, we'll be discussing uh, what you need to know about C. diff and high-touch surfaces with Shelby Lasseter, infection preventionist, and we'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Biohacking for Health is working with your individual biology to gain access to and control over the systems within your body. It allows you to explore your biology and improve health and wellness. Each of us has unique genetic profiles and physiology that require individualized approaches. On Biohacking for Optimal Health, Dr. Daniel Stickler and his expert guests provide a roadmap to navigate the world of biohacking human potential. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. To help support the C. diff Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate, or call toll-free 1-844-4-C-DIFF. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Join us November 9, 2015 for the Raising C. diff and Healthcare-Associated Infection Awareness Conference. This event will be chaired by Dr. Mark Wilcox, Professor of Medical Microbiology at the University of Leeds, UK, and hosted at the Doubletree Suites by Hilton Hotel in Boston, Cambridge. For more information about the event, call us toll-free at 1-844-4C-DIFF or register starting on April 1st through the website cdifffoundation.org forward slash upcoming events. Call 1-844-4C-DIFF, 1-844-367-2343. We look forward to meeting you on November 9th. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again are Nancy Karala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more. I'm your host, Nancy Karala, with Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. We thank you for joining us and today's episode, What You Need to Know About C. diff and High-Touch Surfaces. Before break, we discussed C. diff spores, C. diff infections, and healthcare facilities, and how Clorox is involved in helping to reduce C. diff infections with Dr. Rosie Lyles. Now it is our pleasure to introduce Shelby Lasseter, infection preventionist, who is here to discuss preventing the spread of C. diff in both healthcare and home settings. Welcome, Shelby, and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Nancy. It's my pleasure and and honor to be with you all. Well, we just can't thank you enough. And Shelby, we're just going to jump right in here and start picking your brain and asking you all these great questions that we're just really anxious to learn. Um, okay. First of all, we want to know if you can wouldn't mind explaining to everybody how a C. diff infection is transmitted and spread from person to person. Absolutely. And I think Bradley and Dr. Lyles has spoken to some of this already, but just to sum up what they've said, C. diff is shed or expelled from the body via the stool or feces. And basically any surface device or material such as commodes, bathtubs, rectal thermometers, anything in the environment that becomes contaminated with the feces may serve as a reservoir for the Clostridium difficile spores. The vegetative or active growing form of C. difficile is relatively easily killed, but it's the spore, that little hard seed, that encasement that the C. diff bacteria go into when they encounter a hostile environment that is so difficult to kill. And as both Bradley and Dr. Lyle shared, it's extremely important to remember that C. diff spores can live outside of the human body for months in that spore form. And they can be found on virtually anything in the environment, bed linens, bed rails, etc. And C. diff infection can spread from person to person on that contaminated equipment if it comes in contact with the person and on the hands of doctors, nurses, other healthcare providers, family members, and visitors. So it can get into the body. And it, of course, in that spore form, it, it enters through the oral route, gets into the body, and the spore form protects it in the gastrointestinal tract from being destroyed by the gastric acids. So it can pass through get into the intestines and begin to cause disease. Wow, it's incredible. I know it lives outside of the body for a very long time, and that's what makes it so difficult, you know, to manage the infection and how easily it can be passed on to somebody else. Absolutely. So, Shelby, can you tell us who is most likely to get and acquire a C. difficile infection? You I will. Um, basically, anyone can get C. diff, but the risk for the disease significantly increases in people with the following risk factors. Dr. Lyle spoke to the primary risk factor is antibiotic exposure. 
people who take antibiotics are most at risk for developing C. diff infections, and that, that risk goes up if you take broad-spectrum drugs that target a wide range of bacteria, use multiple antibiotics, or take antibiotics for a long period of time. Another major risk factor is advanced age. From that same CDC study that Dr. Lyles referenced that was published in New England Journal of Medicine in February 2015, um, that study found that in the United States, one out of every three C. difficile infections occurs in patients 65 years or older, and two out of every three healthcare-associated C. diff infection occurs in patients 65 years or older. That study shared that greater than 100,000 colonies of C. C. diff infections develop among residents of U.S. nursing homes each year. So that's another huge um, healthcare setting where we see a lot of C. diff cases. And then not only is C. diff more likely in the elderly, it's more virulent. The same study revealed that in the U.S., more than 80% of the deaths associated with C. diff occurred among Americans aged 65 years or older. So definitely the advanced age is a risk factor. Other risk factors for getting C. diff infections are things like having gastrointestinal surgery or manipulation of the bowels, long lengths of stay in healthcare settings, just increased exposure time. Another serious underlying illness, and of course, anything that compromises your immune system are risk factors related to getting C. diff. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of our immune compromised patients um, fighting cancer or who yeah. have already an existing uh, diagnosis of Crohn's or uh, IBS, they, any kind of weakened immune systems also. Exactly. Yep. Right. And many, so, many drugs um, that people can be on these days, they're great technology and, and a lot of advancement to treat different diseases, but because they impact the immune system, they can put us at risk. Exactly. And Shelby, we know that the healthcare professionals are doing a lot, but what are some of the things nurses and doctors are doing to prevent a C. diff infection in the hospital, in the physician's office, and in other healthcare settings like clinics and outpatient centers? Yes, good, very good question. Um, in the hospital, I'll speak to several things and, and in each setting that you mentioned there, Nancy. In the hospital, um, one of the things that's done routinely in most organizations is that they track the C. diff infection rates. This allows understanding at that local level of where and when C. diff is occurring so that more intense prevention efforts can be implemented and stop the transmission of the disease. Some hospitals and all hospitals in the United States are required to report to their state or national data bank so that agencies such as the CDC can analyze those data at the regional and then national level. And this helps to do several things, but a couple of very important things that it is driving in the United States is it's ramping up C. difficile prevention efforts by eliciting support for specific antibiotic resistance prevention programs across the nation. 
These types of programs can improve both antibiotic prescribing as well as infection control practices. Helps us learn more about what's happening. And then the second thing I want to mention there is that it stimulates research. These data, aggregating, analyzing, um, really helps to stimulate research for ongoing and new innovations in technology to combat C. diff disease, such as a vaccine. It also enhances our knowledge of the human microbiome and the human body's relationship with microorganisms, which is absolutely essential to um, get, a, get our arms around this disease and put an end to it. Other things that they do on a routine basis are cleaning their hands with soap and water or an alcohol hand-based rub after caring for every patient. This can prevent C. diff and other germs from being passed from one patient to another on their hands. And I will mention here that, of course, with a condition such as C. diff, we do recommend hand washing and not um, use of, of the alcohol hand preparations. Um, also, there is a lot more attention in hospitals on very carefully cleaning hospital rooms and medical equipment that's been used on patients with C. diff. And Dr. Lyle spoke to many of the products and techniques in use, and I know for a fact there's a lot of research going on about even more advanced types of technologies for cleaning. We have a long way to go with both hand washing and cleaning of equipment and medical devices in healthcare. That is for certain, but that is something that where a lot of attention is paid. And then, of course, things that um, providers and patients have been used to regarding contact precautions. These are transmission-based precautions that we place patients on in hospitals, and that basically means that they're in a single or private room and only share a room with someone else who, who has C. diff or cohort that those individuals if we can't put them in a private room. Healthcare providers, when they go in the room, wear gowns and gloves over their, their clothing, and visitors may also be asked to wear the same gown and gloves. In, in most situations, that's the case. And then when leaving the room, the providers and visitors remove that personal protection equipment or the gown and gloves and wash their hands. And we also ask that patients on contact precautions stay in their hospital rooms as much as possible and not go to common areas like the gift shop or the cafeteria. Um, of course, they can go to other areas of the, trans, of the hospital for treatments and tests transported by healthcare personnel taking the right precautions with that. And last but certainly not least is the antibiotic stewardship or really looking at antibiotic administration practices. And again, I won't repeat what Dr. Lyle shared, but um, we know that many hospitalized patients, she's quoted from studies, 30 to 50% of the antibiotics prescribed in hospitals are unnecessary or un incorrect. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that, um, some that we can easily change, some other practices we can't uh, or it can't easily change. But that's a statistic there that most hospitals are really paying a lot of attention to and concentrating on antibiotic stewardship.
and in talking with some infectious disease physicians in many settings, um, most of them are saying that they really feel like that practically at this point in time, that antibiotic stewardship is one of the key things to prevent C. diff. Um, so again, that's been given a lot of attention. Now, in doctor's offices, um, I think Dr. Lyle shared this from that CDC study as well, that 80%, excuse me, um, out of the 150,000 people who had not been in the hospital that got C. diff, 82% of those had visited a doctor's office or dentist office in the 12 weeks before their diagnosis. So that suggests that the outpatient ambulatory care settings may be a significant reservoir of Clostridium difficile. I can tell you from covering a lot of ambulatory settings from an infection prevention standpoint that we have a long ways to go in ambulatory settings to really address things that we need to be doing. We need to be doing more and better at what at prevention of C. diff, but also very much like hospitals, cleaning their hands, washing hands, antibiotic stewardship. Often this is where antibiotics are prescribed, and so there's a lot of work that needs to be done, both on the, on the provider side with education and on the patient side with education. We right. see a lot of patients coming in expecting and asking for antibiotics and being disappointed if they don't get them. And so Shelby? A lot of I work. Yes, ma'am. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you at this time, but we are out of time and okay. we are going to have to have you back to discuss infection control in the home setting that we didn't uh, even have a chance to do today. But okay. we want to thank you um, so much, Shelby, for joining us today on C. diff spores and more and for sharing the important infection prevention information that everyone can put to use during a C. diff infection and in uh, the healthcare setting. We thank you again um, and do appreciate your participation, participating in creating the C. diff foundation's educational infection prevention, raising C. diff awareness for healthcare providers, which is available through the C. diff foundation's website. So we stay, ask you to stay tuned for answers to your questions and updates on next week's episode with Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. You are listening to Seed of Spores and More, and we'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Join us November 9th, 2015 for the Raising C. diff and Healthcare-Associated Infection Awareness Conference. This event will be chaired by Dr. Mark Wilcox, Professor of Medical Microbiology at the University of Leeds, UK, and hosted at the Doubletree Suites by Hilton Hotel in Boston, Cambridge. For more information about the event, call us toll-free at 1-844-4C-DIFF or register starting on April 1st through the website cdifffoundation.org forward slash upcoming events. Call 1-844-4C-DIFF, 1-844-367-2343. We look forward to meeting you on November 9th. To help support the C. diff Foundation, please visit our website cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll-free 1-844-4-C-DIFF. That's 1-844-367-2343. 
Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again are Nancy Karala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Welcome back to Seed of Spores and More. I'm your host, Chandrabali Ghosh, with Nancy Karala, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed the information shared by our guests on today's episode, What You Need to Know About CDF and High Touch Surfaces. We would like to take this moment to uh, thank all our guests today, and we hope that um, you know, you've you know, garnered some in- important information and can use it in your real-life scenarios. If you missed any part of today's episode, you can always return to the show page and access the program podcast and listen to them at your own leisure. Um, In the last couple of weeks, we have had some questions sent in by our listeners. The first two questions were received after the Synthetic Biologics episode and have been answered directly by Synthetic Biologics professionals. The first question is from Lisa H. Can a person who has had CDIS use synthetic or SYN004 to help a patient not get C. diff again? The answer, while we cannot make any claims yet with regard to SYN004's ability to prevent recurrent C. diff infection, this is an area of great uh, importance and it is an area of prevention that we plan to explore in our future clinical studies. The second question for synthetic biologics was, how many times can a person receive SYN004? The answer, we cannot make any claims yet uh, to the frequency of the administration of SYN004. However, early clinical studies have demonstrated that multiple doses of SYN004 are safe and are well-tolerated in healthy uh, volunteers, with no clinically significant safety issues reported to date. Thank you for your questions, Lisa. The following answers have been provided by a medical correspondent, Dr. Fred Zarr. MD Fred Zar is a, a professor of clinical medicine, vice head for education in the Department of Medicine and program director of the Internal Medicine Residency Program at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Over the last two decades, he's been a pioneer in the study of the treatment of C. diff infections and the need to stratify patients by disease severity. Thank you, Fred Zar, Dr. Fred Zar, for answering these questions. If you have listeners, if you have any questions you would like answered by Dr. Zar, please email them to us at info at cdifffoundation.org. Questions will be answered at the end of next week's episode, and the last names are withheld to maintain privacy. The first question for Dr. Zar comes from Terry C. Can a healthcare professional work? Uh, can a healthcare professional work when diagnosed with a C. diff infection? If not, if not, then how long after starting an antibiotic treatment? Uh, can he, get, can he or she get back to work? Answer, Terry, healthcare professionals may not work while infected. Individual institutions may vary on their policies for return to work, but at a minimum, the person should have a negative stool test for the toxin that C. diff makes. 
which usually occurs by day five of treatment. Some institutions also require a complete course of antibiotics to be completed, which is usually about 10 days before the individual is allowed to return to work. Thank you for your question, Terry, and we hope you can get well soon. Question from Tammy R. I have gotten over my fourth relapse of the C. diff infection a month ago. I am still having the symptoms. I am still having the cramping and all. It seems that I relapse every six months. I am afraid I will relapse again. And what are my chances of falling ill from this infection again? Answer, Tammy, although over 90% of people with an initial infection of C. diff will get better on treatment, about 20% or so may relapse, meaning that their infection and symptoms can return. Retreatment will again have a 90% response rate, yet 40% of these patients will have a chance of relapsing. After second relapse, these are some of the useful strategies for you to follow. Number one, physician prescribes vancomycin, yet tapering the dose slowly over time, which takes about four to six weeks. Number two, treating the relapse with fidaxomycin or deficit. This is a new medication that has been approved by FDA in May 2011. Deficit is a macrolide antibacterial and should be taken two times a day for 10 days with or without food. For more information about this medication, please visit the official deficit website, www.dificid.com. The relapse rates after treatment with fidaxomycin are half that of vancomycin. And number three is biotherapy. This is the transplantation of a healthy person's fecal flora into your colon. It has a greater than 90% success rate and prevention of further relapse. The procedure is done by... Uh, is done by gastroenterologists at many Chicago suburban and Chicago urban medical centers. Tammy, it is important to know that if you are still testing positive for the C. diff toxin, if you are, the treatment approach is as above. If the test is negative, your symptoms may simply be from the results of the recurrent inflammation of your colon and will go away over time. Some people, however, develop a more chronic inflammation of the colon, such as ulcerative colitis. A gastroenterologist can easily diagnose and treat with a colonoscopic diagnostic procedure. Thank you for your question, Tammy, and we hope you feel better soon. Thank you again, Dr. Zah, for providing detailed answer to our listeners' question. Join us again next week, and our guest... Uh, for uh, to uh, to and our guest for that show is going to be Dr. Clifford McDonald and Dr. Arjun Srinivasan, MD from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, to discuss C. diff infections and antibiotic resistance. As we close, we dedicate this and every episode to fellow C. diff survivors worldwide and to every patient and their families combating C. diff infection. Never lose hope. Remember, none of us can do this alone, and all of us can do this together. Until next time, thank you for joining us today and goodbye for now. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your hosts, Nancy and Dr. Ghosh, again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, that's 2 p.m. Eastern Time, for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together.